Thank you, Rachel, for reading scripture for us this morning. Um, we just wrapped up our last sermon series called Lies That Christians Believe. And as we are anticipating to start up uh, our new church year in September, I thought it would be good for us to go back to some of the core um, truth and core things about our church, foundational things, why our church exists. And um, so for the next few weeks, we'll be talking, uh, uh, really focusing, dissecting this, uh, the mission that we have at FCBC SGB. As you think about our church, as you think, think, really think about any church, God has a mission for every church. I think every church has a mission that is probably a variant of several things that made up, uh, get up from scripture. Um, so recently we have the privilege and God's given us a lot of grace and, uh, as, as our staff, uh, our leaders at our church um, prayed and met and discussed. Uh, we we kind of aligned a, a few things back together that we felt like this is one God has always called us to do. And we have various versions of that in the past, but we try to uh, put it together in a succinct way, concise way, hopefully not just put it as a slogan for on our website or on a brochure or whatever, but it really becomes a, a drumbeat for us as our church for each one of us. When I say our church, not the organization of the church, but for the people, God's people, how this will help us to continue to live out the way that God has called us to live. Uh, one of the things that we uh, we love our worship team and when they, when we play together, we realize how important the drummer is because the drummer is what keeps the beat going. So when the vocalist is a little fast, when the piano is a little fast, the guitar is a little fast, the drummer keeps the beat. And that's kind of what we're after here, that the mission is what is the heartbeat of God for our church. And, and so we want to keep stay as close to that as possible on a daily basis, weekly basis. And so what we came together, uh, what we came out with as, as, a, as, a, as leaders of this church is this simple statement that every one of these words is parsed for a reason, and they have a specific purpose in there. So I, 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 let me share with you this mission that we have, and you might have heard of ver- different versions of it in the past, but this is what we come up with that hopefully will cement for us. As long as we're in here in F- FCBC, SGB exists, this is what we're striving to do. And what we see the mission of our church is simply this, is to multiply disciples who love God, love one another, love the lost by abiding in Christ through his word, prayer, and the Holy Spirit. Every single one of the word, or every single word in this sentence, in this phrase, in this mission is crucial. And so what I would like to do is for the next few weeks, kind of take each part of this. And as you take a look at this, it's simply, there's simply two parts to this. One is these love God, love one another, love the lost. These are the what? These are the things that God called us to do. What is God calling us to do as a church? Again, when I see use the word church, I'm not saying just the building of the church, just some people of the church. But as long as you're a member of this church, this is what God is calling us to do. We're going to talk about all three of these love. So that's the what of of the mission. But then the second part of this mission is the how of mission. How are we going to accomplish this? How are we going to multiply disciples who love God, who love one another, who love the lost? The way we, we see God calls to do is simply in John 15, that we need to abide in Jesus. Remember, we start out this past, this previous church year talking about John 15. Many of you had done a wonderful job memorizing John 15, 1 to 11. In the entire chapter of John 15, we see three key components of what it means for us to abide in Christ. 
We need to abide in his word. We need to abide in prayer. We need to be led and, and obedient and following the Holy Spirit. And so the, for the next few weeks, we're going to focus on each one of these elements, loving. To, so today we're going to start with talking about loving God. Loving God. Jesus, and, and being asked by one of the scribes, when, when, when asked, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment in all the scripture? And Jesus answered him by saying this. The most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and in all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And Jesus did not just come out on the spot and say, oh, this is the greatest commandment. In fact, Jesus was simply quoting a verse, a passage from Deuteronomy where most of the, uh, most of the Jews at the time would have memorized since, since young. This is called the Shema, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And what is the greatest commandment Jesus said in, in quoting Deuteronomy is this, that we are to love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God is the greatest commandment. And you probably have heard me say that a thousand times in the past, that the verb of this, this command is so important. God, from the very beginning, and Jesus quoted here to emphasize the things that we're supposed to do is to love the Lord our God. It does not say serve the Lord your God. It does not say believe the Lord your God. It does not say go to church uh, for the Lord your God. It does not say give generously to the Lord your God. It does not say read the Bible for the Lord for the uh, for the Lord your God. It does not say evangelize, go on mission. It does not say any of those things, but it all. I all summarize into a four-letter words, love. You see, God did not just want us to do things for God. See, love is more than just doing things. Let me ask you this. Do you serve God or do you serve God because you love God? Do you believe in God? Or do you believe in God because you love God? Do you show up today in worship? Or do you show up today in worship because you love God? Do you read the Bible? Or do you read the Bible because you love God? Do you share the gospel? Or do you share the gospel because first and foremost, you love Jesus? You see, it's altogether easy for us to do things for God and yet not loving God. We can do things without loving God, but the opposite cannot be, well, is, is, cannot be true. When you love God, you will do those things. See, it is altogether possible that you can do a bunch of things for God and yet not love God. But when you truly love God, the Lord your God, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, guess what? You will do all the things that we've listed about. And what God is after is not just a bunch of people doing things for him. What God is after is our hearts to love him. When God captures our heart, he knows we will do all things for him. But if God only gets our hands and feet, and not a heart, our service to him 
will be meaningless, will be shallow. And so the greatest commandment Jesus tells us, the greatest commandment summed up together in all the scripture is to love God. But here's the problem with loving God. A lot of times the word love is so overused and underdeveloped. We have a hard time, whether by culture or by upbringing, we don't really know what it means to love. We don't even know sometimes what it means to be loved. We're a terrible lover. And so what does it mean for us to love God? And so in the passage that Rachel had read for us earlier in the story, we saw a picture, a picture of what it means to love God. What does it mean for us to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, with all of our strength? And so what I want to do today is help us to take a look at that and hopefully give you a glimpse of what it means to love the Lord your God. Because everything that we do, everything that we think about, everything of our lives need to start there in that vertical relationship between us and God. Before we go love one, no, we need to love God. Before we go love the lost, we need to love God. And so the question is, what does it mean for us to love God? In Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 to 13, it is one of the few stories that were actually recorded in all four of the Gospels. I don't know if you ever noticed, actually, not every story about Jesus was recorded in all four of the Gospels. All four of the authors of the gospel, the writers of the gospel did not record the exact same story. But yet Matthew 26, this story about a woman breaking the alabaster jar of ointment, of perfume, to pour it over Jesus was actually recorded all four of them. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and say that this is the most important story of all the story about Jesus. But something is, has to be said when a story is shared by all four writers of the gospel. Something must be important about this story that we need to take note of. And in fact, I think the, 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 re, the reality of all four of the writers happened to write about the same story is actually the fulfillment of what Jesus said about this woman. In verse 13, at the end of this story, Jesus said, after what had happened to this woman, uh, what she did to Jesus, Jesus said this about her. Verse 13 says, truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Man, Jesus cares so much about what this woman had done. So much that he wanted the whole world, every time someone picked up the gospel, everyone, every time someone picked up one of the gospels to read about that they want, he wanted her to be known. Then I think it is probably important for us to learn what this woman had done for Jesus, how she had loved Jesus. In the story, let me summarize it for us again. Here's a woman who showed up in Bethany, uh, who was in Bethany. Jesus showed up with his disciples. This woman came up to him, took this very expensive flask of ointment, perfume, and oil, and broke it and poured it onto Jesus as Jesus was reclined. You might think, like in a in a today's context, that's kind of rude. Like, why would you uh, Gatorade shower somebody who? But really, back then at the time, it is a sign of respect, a sign of devotion and love 
to pour oil over people. It is a way of almost brightening up and showing um, your, your love for that person. And such was done. And this woman poured this expensive ointment over Jesus. And then immediately the disciples were upset and wondering, why would she waste so much money on Jesus? She could have saved all the money to feed the poor. And yet Jesus did not see it that way. Jesus actually rebuked the disciples and said, why are you troubling this woman? She had done the right thing, the beautiful thing. And Jesus said, there are poor people all the time, but yet you're not going to have me forever. And what she did was good and right. And in verse 13, we read here that Jesus actually wanted wanted, everyone to know about this woman's love for for him. One of the main things we see here is simply this loving God. If I have to summarize it in a simple definition, means that we're giving our best to God. When we love God, we're giving God our very best. It might be our very best uh, physical possession. It might be our very best intellect, our very best use of time, our very best mental capacity. It may, everything that is best of us, we're giving that to God. That's what it means for us to love God and love Jesus. Verse 6, it says, this, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him. Now, we don't see who that woman was here in this Matthew passage, but in other places, in, in John, in, uh, in Luke, and in Mark, we know that this woman was no stranger to Jesus. This woman actually was Mary. Remember Mary and Martha and Lazarus? The one that Jesus had raised from the dead, Lazarus, the, uh, the Mary and Martha one was the one who's busy working. Mary was the one who likes to be around Jesus' feet and listen to Jesus. That was the Mary that's, go, that, that's in this story. And while Jesus was at Bethany, he was about to be, to be, uh, to be, uh, he was about to be led to, to be crucified. This woman showed up and broke and, and came up with him with this alabaster flask of a very expensive ointment. Alabaster is actually a soft stone that you see in the picture here that used to, um, usually they're made of, uh, flasks are made of these alabaster stone. And they are the uh, a container for a generally very expensive ointment, a nard that are made out of, of, of bones and oil, pure aromatic. They're very, very, t- uh, very uh, not bone, uh, root uh, that are made out of these Arabian roots that are very perfumed, uh, very smells really good. And to put expensive in a context for you, how expensive these ointment tend to be is, is that back then it was about 300 days of wages for someone. That means it is almost an entire year of your salary to buy an ointment of this size. So for those of you who are working, put your whole entire year paycheck on that. That is the amount, that, that is the price for an ointment that the Mary had poured over Jesus. It probably take her 10, 15, 30 seconds, a minute to pour this on her head. And he wasted, if you make uh, $30,000, $50,000. That's how expensive this ointment is. Just to put it in context for you, in U.S., there is this kind of uh, unwritten rule for someone to, get, to buy an engagement ring. You're supposed to buy for that's, uh, their engagement ring that's worth three months worth of your salary. But this is not three months. This is almost 11 months, 10 months worth of your salary. This flask of ointment, it is the best that Mary probably had. That's the best possession she's ever had in her life. 
And what she did was she broke it and poured it over Jesus. See, we, when we say we love God, we're giving God our very best. Like Mary gave her very best uh, flask of expensive ointment to Jesus. And the reason why she gave it to him, poured over Jesus, why? Is simply because Jesus is worth it. See, we love God, not because what we can get out of God, but what God has already done for us. Again, we don't see it in this immediate passage because in Luke chapter 7, the parallel story, which by the way, is a good way of reading scripture. If you know that there are, if you know that there are other passages of the same story in different places, you should read all of them because that will give you the most information. Just a side tip for you to read the scripture. In Luke chapter 7, here Jesus taking some time in explaining to Peter why what Mary had done for him was so amazing. And the reason why Mary did it, look at what Jesus said. He says, therefore, I tell you to Peter, her sins, Mary's sin, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but, but he who is forgiven little, loves little. Jesus knew why Mary kind of went extravagant on him. Gave her very best ointment on him. Broke the flask that she cannot put it back. Once you break those flasks, it's over. You have to use it all or else it will, the smell will go away. It would not be as, as precious. Why did Mary do that? Because Jesus saw right through her. Because she was forgiven much. The reason why she gave her best and loved Jesus was because Jesus was worth her best. Because she realized what Jesus had done for her. Jesus had forgiven her of her sin. Mary had come in close contact with Jesus. She knew Jesus to be the Messiah. She knew Jesus' love for her. She knew Jesus' love for her brother. She had firsthand experience that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And because Mary knew that Jesus had loved her, Jesus had forgiven of her sin. So her love was not something that she mustered. Her love was not just some religious uh, ritual. Her love was a simple response to God's love for her. Now, don't miss this. See, we do not love God because we have any love in ourselves. First John chapter, First John chapter four. The apostle John told us, "We love." Because God first loved us. You see, we love God because we first got, because God first loved us. Any action of love for God is a response to what God has done in our lives. This is why it is so important for you and I to come back day after day after day to be reminded, to be, uh, to be refreshed of God's love in our lives. Not just the day when we came to know Christ, but today, today how God has loved you. Because if we don't know that God has loved us, we will never love God back. You see, this is the reason why God, uh, why Mary loved Jesus, loved Jesus so much because she's simply responding to the intense love that she has received from God. Jesus said many are forgiven. Her sins are many because she knew that her sins are forgiven much. Now she loved much. But if we don't know that we're forgiven much, we will not love much of Jesus. This is why it is so important for us to know that loving God is not just some religious act, some some external things that we do. 
Loving God is a response of our heart to what God has already done in our lives. So do you know that God loves you? When was the last time you realized, when was the last time you, you experienced God's love in your life? So you're not going to love God more if you don't know that God has loved you greatly. We will only be able to love God greatly when we've been loved greatly. And the, 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 the problem is not that God did not love us greatly. is because we haven't recognized that God has loved us greatly. So in order to love God, in order to give God our very best, first we must know that God has loved us first. And because Mary knew and experienced Jesus' love for her so deeply, realized that she's been forgiven much, now she could love much. That alabaster jar of perfume, that 300 days worth of salary of perfume is not a big deal in comparison to the great love that God has given to her. But here's the thing. Whenever we want to love God and give our best to God, there are always someone around us who will tell us that it is a waste. See, just when you start to love God, maybe some of you are like, I want to turn my life around. I want to follow Jesus better this season of my life. Just when you make that commitment, someone else around you will tell you that, oh, it will be a waste. Don't do it. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. Here in, in, in this story, when the disciples saw what Mary had done, broke that expensive alabaster jar filled with perfume and ex- expensive ointment. You know what did they say? They did not say, good job, Mary. Good job. Great job. Way to be an example of loving God. No, you know what they did? They were indignant. They were upset. They were bothered. Why? Look at what they said. Why this waste? And then they give an, an excellent reason why it would be, for this could have been so far a large sum and given to the poor. You could have given 300 days worth of wages to feed the poor. Instead of, of learning from Mary, the disciples looked down on Mary. They were saying, what a waste of your money. What a waste of resources. You're going to feed all these people. See, every time when we want to love God with our best, there will be people around us telling us that it will be a waste. In one of the parallel passage, it was specifically pointed out that it was Judas who said this was a waste. Brothers and sisters, church, every time you want to give your best to God, Remember this, there's always someone, there's always going to be a Judas in your life who will tell you that it is a waste. And they will give you good reason for it because after all, isn't it true? 300 days worth of a salad could feed a lot of people. Jesus could feed 5,000, really 10,000, including men and women and children with five loaves and two fish. How much could Jesus feed with 300 days worth of wages? There's always good reason not to give your best to God because there's always a need in this world. And notice what Jesus said. Yes, it is true. See, Jesus is not saying here, oh, don't feed the poor. Just give your best to me. See, we live in that dichotomy. We think, oh, if I give my best to God, then I don't need to give my best to others. What Jesus is getting at here is 
it is not a waste. The point of what Jesus is saying here is this. Don't just, don't just give it, give your best to other people. Give the priority is what Jesus is getting at. Give your best to me first. And when you give your best to me, then you will give your best to others. Jesus is not saying choose to give it to me or choose to give it to others. All Jesus is pointing out is that we need to give our best first to God. First to God. Jesus is not saying don't do the good things for other people. Don't take care of yourself. Don't take care of your family. Don't take care of your friends. Don't take care of your teeth. Don't take care of your coat. No, Jesus is not saying anything. Don't take care of the board. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, do all of that, but first do it for, to me. You see, every time when we want to give our best to God, someone is going to say something in your ear or sow the seed in your heart and say they will be a waste. Perhaps for some of us, it might be our friends or our classmates. You made it a point to want to show up to worship here in the morning on Sunday morning. Your friends call you up and say, hey, let's do our group project. So we have to do it in this time. But really, they don't have to do it this time. But you want to give your best to the Lord. You say, I can't do it this time. Your friend might whisper to you and say and tell you, that, hey, don't waste your time, man, at church. You can always look at on YouTube later, which, by the way, you know you would never go back to look at it later. It's a waste of time, man. Just take care of your schoolwork. Don't you think that God wants you to do well at school? See, every time when we want to give our best to God, someone's going to remind us, tell us that it might be a waste. For some of us, maybe you're saving money to buy something. And yet you're convicted to give your first cut of your paycheck, your first uh, Chinese New Year money first to God and tithe. Maybe, maybe, maybe someone in your life and kind of start telling, hey, you don't need to give money to church. You're so young. I mean, there are plenty of people giving at church anyway. What's your $5 going to do a week to the church? You are set your heart to give your best to God, to give tangibly money to God for his, uh, for his ministry, for his work, his kingdom work. Yes, someone might whisper along and say, hey, you don't need to do it. Just save up for yourself. Your money doesn't really, it's not that much money you're giving anyway. Why give? It would be such a waste. For some of us, it might be purity in our lives. Maybe your boyfriend, maybe your girlfriend. Maybe the world is whispering to why keep yourself to marriage? Why keep yourself to marriage when everybody else is, is, is having sex, everyone having being casual with their sexual life? Don't waste your time. And yet you are trying to give your best, preserve your best, not just to your future spouse, but really to Jesus. And you hear all these people whispering in your ears, hey, don't waste your, waste your time. I literally just came across talking to, to a, a pastor friend. Just share with me how one of one, someone in this, in this congregation, seeing the experience with sex before marriage is actually, he sees it as a benefit for future marriage. And yet that is so against what God says in the scripture, that we're to preserve ourselves, to be united with the one that God has given to us as gift. And there are plenty of people who may be telling, it's a waste to do that. Just live it up now. Every time we want to give our best to God, there will always be a Judas in our lives. 
telling us that it is a waste. But I want you to see what Jesus said. Jesus said this, hearing what the disciples said. Jesus said this, why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. Or you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. The disciples look at what Mary did. They saw waste. They saw it was a waste of money, a waste of time. And when Jesus saw what Mary did, Jesus said it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. Because she gave first her best to Jesus. While it may be a waste for everybody else, Jesus said, what you give when you give your best to me, it is always a beautiful thing to Jesus. Here's the question I want to ask you. What do you give to Jesus? Are you giving your best to Jesus? This morning when you lock into Zoom worship, are you giving your best to Jesus? Are you giving your best mental attention to Jesus? Are you giving your best heart posture to Jesus to want to worship and to want to listen to him? Are you giving your best time to Jesus, your best, best physical uh, state to Jesus, that you actually sleep well last night, you go to bed early so that you're not um, sleepy and tired this morning? Are you giving your best to Jesus even in our worship time? But not only during worship, are you giving your best to Jesus wherever you are, whatever you, you do? Are you giving your best to Jesus when you're doing your schoolwork? Are you being studious, giving your best in your study and your homework? Because you know that that's the way that God wants you to love him. Are you giving your best to Jesus when you are watching YouTube? Are you giving your best to Jesus in the way that you choose the things that you watch on Netflix? Are you giving your best time to Jesus? Or are you just wedging that in whenever you have 10 minutes, 5 minutes here and there? That Jesus was an afterthought. You have given your best to your entertainment. You're giving your best to what you need to do. Giving your best to your chores. Your best to your family. Your best to your work. Your best to your school. Then after all of that, you give the leftover to Jesus. See, loving God means... Giving our best to Jesus. Our best thoughts to Jesus. Our best time for Jesus. Our first cut of our money to Jesus. That our best effort in our work, in our school, our best testimony, best witness at home to our parents, to our brothers and sisters, to our relatives. Giving our best of time, talent, and treasure to Jesus. That's what it means for us to love God. Because he is worth it. See, loving God, giving our best is not just here at 930 on Sunday. Loving God is just not an event. He's not a venue. Loving God is not just an experience. Loving God is day in, day out, moment by moment, giving my best to God in whatever that I do, whatever that I watch, wherever I'm at, whatever that I'm engaging in, giving my best to Jesus. So do we love God 
like Mary. We need to give our best to Jesus because that's beautiful to him. And he's so worth it. I want to end on this simple observation here. As I look at this story, what struck me so much is at the end of the story, when Jesus said this about Mary, in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. And you might be thinking, well, of course, we know Jesus is again about to get uh, crucified. He's about to be buried into the tomb. Of course, Mary's going to pour it on him. So, you know, all of that, it seems so, so logical. But yet when we uh, pause and take a moment and think about the culture at the time, you see these ointment was often used for burial, but it was not for before burial, but it was for after burial. See, these expensive ointment oftentimes are poured over a corpse, a dead, cold body being wrapped up. And they put spice and pour oil over it. And they wrap this person up and put him, buried him in the, into the, the grave so that it would not smell. These ointments are often used after someone died, not before someone died. And as I look at this detail, as I look at this, this small uh, fact here, what I realize is that Mary had the foresight to know that loving Jesus is never is never waiting till later. Loving Jesus is always about now. See, Mary could have done the cultural thing, the traditional thing, and say, I'm going to save this alabaster jar of expensive perfume. I will save two more years of this and have two jars of this and use it on Jesus after he died. But you see, Mary did not wait. Mary did not wait to love God more later. Mary loved God now. Mary loved Jesus now while he was still with her. He loved Jesus. She loved Jesus right now. She didn't wait till later. Could even wait till later. It would have been the right thing to do to wait till later. But she did not. She treasured Jesus being present in her, uh, right there with her. And she did. And she loved Jesus right then and there. You see, loving God is never about later. Loving God is always about now. Loving God is always about doing it right now. I don't know if you ever have family members, relatives that passed away. Or you've known someone who have done it. And one of the most common things I hear from people who have lost loved ones was that how much they regret not telling them that they love them earlier. They regret doing, spending time with that person. They regret not doing things that to reconcile the wrong that they they have against each other. They regret it was too late by the time the person passed away. They wait till later to do it, but that later never came. You see, loving God is the same way. Loving God is always about now. Don't wait till later. Jesus is worth our loving right now. Jesus is worth our love and devotion right now, today. Jesus was worth it to Mary. She didn't wait till later to show when Jesus was dead. Mary didn't even know that Jesus would be resurrected. She would. She thought. She probably thought it would be too late. While I have Jesus now, I I want to show him my love. See, don't wait till later to love God. Don't wait till later when you're older. 
Don't wait till you're done with your score. Love Jesus while you're doing your score. Don't wait till later when, when you graduated from college. Don't wait, late, wait till later when nobody else is looking. Don't wait till later when church starts on Sunday. Worship Jesus tomorrow on Monday. See, today is the day that we are called to love God. Right now is always a good time to love Jesus. So here's a question I want to ask you. In what areas of your life do you feel like God is calling you to love him more? For some of us, maybe you're having perfect attendance here on Sunday. You're showing them your small group. You're doing all the, all the program stuff, and you're doing great in that. But then on the other days, from Monday through Saturday, maybe God is pointing a finger and saying, you need to love me more here. For some of us, maybe an area that we need to, uh, the area God's calling to love him more is the way we use our free time. The way we use our entertainment, the way we, we approach our work, the way we do relationship with our family, the way we talk to other people, the way we serve other people who are in need. See, love God now. Let's not wait till later. Loving God means we're going to give our best to him today, this moment. Because Jesus is worth it. Jesus said, this is a beautiful thing that she has done for me. I believe that God desired for us to do the same thing to him. Today, tonight, tomorrow, until Jesus returns. So how does God want you to love him more today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for Mary's example of loving you. God, thank you for first loving us so that now we can have the ability, have the, have the strength, have, the, have, the, have what it takes to love you back. God, we know you love, you want us, you want our hearts more than you want just us to do things for you. So God, as we re- respond to your word, God, we ask that you will show us, your spirit will reveal to us what areas of our lives do we need to love you more. Lord, I pray that as we sing this song, God, that you'll help us to be reminded of your love for us. Help us to feel it. Help us to know it. Or saturate our hearts with your love. So that we can love you back with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.